Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, it is so great to have you with us for church today. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? Man, I'm so excited that you have decided to give a small window of your world to just come and be a part of the local church. And in just a minute, we're gonna pray. But let me just say this right from the off. We're in week three of one of my most favourite series that we ever do in the life of our church. And it's called About Everyone because we really get to talk about the dynamics about what is really required to make sure that we actually exist to be a church that is genuinely about everyone. And we don't just have that as some kind of cool strap line. But one of the things that I always would want you to know, especially if you're in for the first time, especially if maybe church isn't ordinarily what you do, I would want you to know this, man. I am so glad that you took a risk and made the decision to come out to church today. Like some people think that maybe church isn't for them. Well, I want you to know from the off, we're building this very church for people just like you who maybe thought, actually, I don't think church would ever be for me. I'm not too sure if God is real. I don't even think that God would want anything to do for me. We're building that church so that you can call this place home. So I want you to know you don't have to come perfect today. You don't have to come all fixed up wearing your Sunday best. Who you are and who God has made you to be is perfect for you to be in church today. So before we do jump into today's talk, let's just close our eyes for a moment, bow our heads, and let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit today that you would just take these words and that you would bring them to life in the depths of every single one of our souls. Lord, I pray and ask that as we look at Scripture together today, that as we take a simple story from the New Testament, that you would speak to us all. That God, that we would learn more about you and about your character, so that when we all leave church today, we'd all be able to walk out knowing, feeling, and sensing like we've just heard from you. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are jumping into the continued series that we're in right now called About Everyone. And I want to start off by maybe asking every single one of you a question. Have you ever tried to do something nice for a loved one that maybe you thought was just going to be special and you thought this is going to like get you brownie points and this is going to count for so much, but actually everything that you'd planned just didn't work out and materialize the way that you'd have hoped. Does anybody ever done that? I know that I have for sure. I can remember a whole bunch of years ago, Emma and I had only recently got married and I, were, I was in charge of sorting out all of the celebratory preparations for our, uh, our anniversary party and um, I'd made a dinner reservation at this place that I thought was going to be amazing. You know, like some of you guys know what this is like. You've, you've gone online and you've, you've rang up and you've tried to look through the menu and you've tried to make everything just perfect and you've tried to like 
sort everything out. And I'd made this reservation at this like humongous stately home. And we were about to have dinner in this real like fine dining stately dining room. And I thought that this is just going to be incredible. So we went off and we'd got dressed up and we were expecting to have just a great night celebrating our anniversary together. And we went in and man, it looked amazing. I mean, like the biggest chandeliers you've ever seen in your life. I mean, like you should have seen just the cutlery and the crockery that was out on display on all of these humongous tables. But I did notice that when we went in, it did feel a little bit strange because there was nobody else in this fine dining hall. And we sat down at this table and it just felt a bit weird because we were seated about four meters away from one another. And there was nobody else in this restaurant. And to make things worse, I couldn't understand a single item on the menu. And it just felt like, man, it's a little bit cold in here. So now, like, we've been in about 10 minutes and I'm getting a bit frustrated because I'm listening to Emma tell me how cold she is. And unless the temperature is like 39 degrees in our house, my wife is always cold. And now we're, we're paying to be cold on this night out. And I don't understand the menu and then the weirdest thing happened there was this little butler this old guy and he was wearing white gloves and I was sat here and Emma was sat meters away from me and he came and he stood in the middle of us now I thought that maybe he would just be there in case we wanted to send him away to order a drink but he stood there all night in an empty dining room that was so stately and was supposed to be absolutely awesome, but there was no music on in the background. It was like silence and it was just weird. Have you ever been in environments where you've not been able to put your finger on it, but it just kind of felt weird? Because the truth is, is that there are places that you've been to and you go to now, and there are reasons why you like the places you like. There's a reason why you like your favorite restaurant. And it's not always just because they serve the best food. I mean, yeah, sure. Okay, let's be honest. Food is a big part of it, but there are so many other dynamics at play that work oftentimes behind the scenes that you don't even always realize from the jump that are just there creating an environment that you end up falling in love with. For example, just think about the place that you like going to the most. I bet that the lighting is really cool and there's just a fantastic ambience there. I bet that they've just got a fantastic menu. I bet that they've got staff that are exceptionally welcoming. I bet that they've got pipe music being played everywhere. So wherever you go in that restaurant, wherever you go, you can hear the type of music that you like. In other words, it's not just about one thing, but there are many things in play at the same time that become the reasons why you love the places that you like. Like it's not just one thing. There are many things that are all working together at the same time. And this creates this vibe and this atmosphere that makes you like the places that you really like the most. And the truth is, is it's exactly the same in church too. I mean, actually, we've got a great big sign that you're going to see And hopefully you'll have seen it before if you've ever been at Liverpool One Church. But as you leave the auditorium, there is a giant sign that just states on the wall about everyone, because that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be a church that is about everyone. But in order for that to actually take place and become a reality, 
it's probably going to take more than one guy at the front saying, we're a church that wants to be about everyone. There are many factors that have to be in play in order for us to be able to create that someone else's reality. And the reason why that we have that sign that says we're about everyone is because we don't want you to forget the reason why we exist. In fact, there's a really famous passage of Scripture in the New Testament where actually it gives us clear clarification on exactly the reason why we have that sign. Because in John 3.16 it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say that someone or some people or a select few. It says so that everyone who believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. Now, let me just make that real for some of you, especially if you're new to church or maybe this is your first time. What we're actually talking about here is what is the entire essence of our Christian faith. The reason why Jesus was sent as God's one and only son to die on a cross and then be brought back to life again was so that anybody that believes in him shall not go to hell, but rather have everlasting life in the presence of the Father in heaven. And this is what this scripture is referring to. He was saying from the jump, I want you to know, if you've ever asked yourself the question like, Who does God really love? Who does God really care for? Who is God really into? Well, the answer is here. He's about every single one. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what the context of your life is or what the things that you have maybe experienced in your past that you now feel would disqualify you from God's love. Jesus is making it crystal clear. Hey, This church thing, it's going to be about everyone. And that's why we put the sign up, because we don't ever want to forget that. We don't ever want to forget the real reason why we exist. But if we're going to be the kind of church that really lives that out and says we're going to be about everyone, it's got to be more than a cool strap line. It's got to be more than a sign on the wall. It's got to be more than just some creative, fancy artwork that, you know, might be an emblem or a logo that maybe you'll see printed on a cup. It's got to be more than that. So my question is, what is it that would make a church feel like to somebody else who's maybe never been to church, like that's a place that they would like to come to? Like this is a place that they would love to be a part of. Like what are the multiple dynamics that need to be in play in the same kind of way that there are many things in play at your favorite restaurants? What are those types of things that we need to have play have in play at church so that we really are about everyone. And I'm not really going to give you a breakdown and talk to you about lighting and heating and music and volunteers and all that kind of stuff, but I do want to try and pull out of one incredible story that's found in Scripture that recounts a time when Jesus is found in a house and ask the question, are there any lessons that we can learn about the house that Jesus was in that we might want to carry through to the house that we're in today. So we're going to go to the New Testament, to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, and we're going to be recounting a story that took place when Jesus had traveled to a place called Capernaum, and this crazy sequence of events starts to happen. Mark 2. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Verse 12 then jumps on to say, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Okay, so let me just give you a little bit of backdrop and context to this story. Here is Jesus, who is a very well-respected rabbi. He's deemed to be and perceived to be a religious leader in the community, somebody that would command people's utmost respect. And a whole bunch of people have heard that Jesus is now traveling to a house in Capernaum. Perhaps he'd been invited there as the guest speaker. We don't know all of the details. But Jesus is traveling to a local house in Capernaum where he's about to teach the crowds that are gathered. But the unexpected happens because so many people start to find out that Jesus is in town. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. And even that for me is an amazing picture of the church. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. I want to be a church. I want to build a church that people really want to be around because I think that that's the model that Jesus has set. But what happens is, is that so many people all want to hear the word of this teacher that they end up queuing early to get into the house. I mean, like before the doors are even opened, people have come prepared and ready. I mean, like they've brought their picnic blankets. They've got their flask of their best Israeli tea. They've got like all of the snacks sorted for the day. They've taken care of their children with babysitters because this is gonna be a great day where they're gonna have this interaction with Jesus and the queue just grows larger and larger. So much so that literally this house is rampant. And now they can't even fit anybody in. I mean, literally, it is bulging at the seams. And then Jesus comes in and he starts to teach. But what we find in the middle of this story, there is this almighty interruption because there are these four guys, four friends, and their mate has been paralyzed. And we don't know the details of his life, but he can't walk. And they try to get him in the house. And what they find is, is that there is simply no room for them to get in anywhere. They can't even get near the front door. But these four friends, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're switched on, and they're relentless. And these houses that Jesus would have been teaching in, in Israel at the time, they would have had a flat roof that actually was, had a consistency of like clay and it was mixed together with animal manure and you could literally start to pick it away at it with your hands. And these four guys climbed up onto the roof with a guy on a stretcher. Like, how did they do that? I would love to know that. Like, no crane to just pick him up and drop him on. Like, did he go up like that? How on earth did that happen? But these guys were so relentless, they got up on to the roof of this house and they started digging away at the roof in order to create a space that was large enough to lower their friend down into the very presence of Jesus. And it's at that point 
that this paralyzed man has an interaction with Jesus that changes his life forever. Jesus says to him, well, hey, listen, son, I don't want you to be freaked out by this, but I just want you to go and sin no more. And he got up and he walked off his mat and everybody was shocked and was stunned. But within this house, there are three distinct groups of people that are clearly a marker or an indicator that we can look at today to model the type of church house that we are building. There are three categories of people in this house that I want to make sure we always have presence in our house. There are three groups of people who were in this house where Jesus was that we need to have in our house if we really are going to be a church that exists to be about everyone. And they were all in the same house at the same time, and they were able to be in each other's presence without having a fight, without having a fallout, without starting to, you know, call out names of people who maybe they'd seen around town that at some point in their life had done something to them. But there were three groups of people that were all completely different categories of people, yet they were in the same house at the same time as Jesus. And these are the three groups that I wanna make sure we always have present in our house at Liverpool One Church. The three groups are the carried, the crowd, and the carriers. The carried. We don't know a lot about this man that was brought in on a stretcher. In fact, we know very little. We don't even know his name. We don't even know whether or not he ended up being paralyzed as a result of an injury. Like, was he hurt at work? Was he born that way? We just don't know. We don't know a lot about this guy. But actually, what we do know from the story is he was unable to walk, perhaps for his entire life. And what we see about this man that was carried into the house is that he didn't leave the same as the way that he came in. What we see about this man is that he came in on a stretcher, but he walked out. What we know about this man is that he was able to find an answer in the house that he was not able to find outside of the house. I mean, can you imagine Like how long had this guy maybe been looking to a doctor or a medical professional for some kind of help? How many questions must he have asked? How many times must he have pondered at night? Is this gonna be me for the rest of my life? Like how many genuine and sincere attempts had this man actually had to try and be able to stand to his feet? And what we find was that this interaction with Jesus that brought to him the answer that he'd been searching for perhaps for his whole life. This unnamed person who was carried into this house and walked out though is oftentimes just like many of us. And he's like us because you might not be paralyzed and you might not know what it's like to only be able to crawl and never be able to stand up. But in many ways, he's very similar to each and every one of us. Because this man, he knew of exactly what it felt like to fear the unknown and what was around the corner and what was ahead of him. He knew exactly what it was like to have this overwhelming fear of uncertainty about what's coming next for him. Now, that's something that we can all relate to. We know what it's like sometimes to feel a little bit overwhelmed with the fear of uncertainty Maybe you've just started and launched a brand new project at work and you're just nervous. Like, is this ever going to work out? 
Or maybe you have a different type of fear. Maybe you've just received a diagnosis and now you're thinking to yourself, am I gonna be medicated for the rest of my life? Is the medication that I'm about to take, is this ever going to work? You know exactly what it's like to have the fear of the unknown. This man had experienced that. Some of us, in the same way that this man had experienced pain and emotional torment, we know what that's like too. For some of you, you know of the pain and the torment when a relationship doesn't work out, when the marriage is just frictious and fractious. And it shouldn't be, and on paper it's supposed to be amazing, and it should be working, and it should be awesome, and you should be getting on like a house on fire, and the sex should be phenomenal, and you should have an exceptionally large group of a friendship circle where you get to hang and go have fun, and on paper it's supposed to be amazing, but in reality it's just not happening the way that you thought that it would. In reality, the things that you'd hoped for just aren't materialising. We can relate to this guy. Some of you know what it's like to deal with the complex challenge of health struggles. Well, that was this man's life. For others of you, maybe you experience the daily battle of depression and anxiety. I just wonder what it must have been like for this man on a stretcher when he's being lowered through the roof, knowing he was the only one being lowered through a roof at that time. Like, can you just imagine how awkward he must have felt in and amongst perhaps hundreds of people? Everybody else is sat at the feet of Jesus and he's the one guy that's literally coming down on a stretcher. Can you imagine the level of anxiety he must have been feeling at that point? And some of you know what that's like too. For some of you, even coming to church today has taken every ounce of strength and energy that you've had within you. I mean, even to push back the duvet from over your head today, it's been a battle and it's been a struggle. And can I just say to you, I'm so glad you came to church today. I'm so glad you did fight the urge to stay in bed. I'm so glad that you've decided to tune in online. I am so glad that you've made it here today. Because I think that this house that Jesus is in is the perfect picture of what our house at Liverpool One Church needs to be like also. Because there will be times and seasons in your life where you're gonna need some time out because life is happening and you need to be on the stretcher. There are gonna be some times and seasons that happen in your life and perhaps you're in one today where you just feel like life is a battle, life is a struggle, and actually it doesn't even seem to you like it's going to get any better. This man could have related to every element of that too. He had zero hope in the same way that some of you feel like you've got zero hope too. And yet there was a house that Jesus was in that had created an environment for this man to feel like he had just come home. And I think that in many respects, I want that to be the reality of our house too. I would want you to know that if you feel like your life right now needs to be carried, that this church will help carry you through the season of struggle and battle that you are in. In fact, I would wanna go as far as saying that this church is not full of everybody that says, I'm fine. I mean, sure, there are people that are fine in church, but a healthy church has people that are fine and also at the same time, people who are not fine in it. We need to make sure that we create an environment that the carried can feel like you can call this place home. You can come angry, 
You can come disappointed. You can come downcast. I don't want you to avoid church when the overwhelming circumstances of your life have convinced you that it would be better for you to stay away because I want you to notice what Jesus's response was to this broken man that was being carried into his house because I think Jesus's response to him would be the same response that he would speak to you and I today. In fact, he does it in his word. Because in verse five, it tells us that Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Notice that he calls him child. Like there are many things that Jesus could have said. He could have said, mate. He saw, he, maybe he was a scouser. He could have said, kidder. Like he could have said many things. He could have said, he doesn't say any of those things. What he said was, I'm going to call you with an emotional term of endearment. I'm going to call you as my son. I'm going to call you as though you are my child. And this was somebody that he'd never even met before. And the reality of it is, is that I think Jesus was trying to let this man know, I see you and you count. And I think that I would want that to be your experience at this church that we see you and you count. But here's the thing. It was never Jesus's plan for the man on the stretcher to stay on the stretcher. What we actually see in this account is that this man was carried in, but he walked out. And we want that for you too. Like you can come on the stretcher, You can come for weeks and you can come for months on the stretcher, but whatever you do, don't stay on the stretcher. Like you can come broken and you can come messed up and you can come with your sorry story, which I promise you is gonna be far worse than any sorry story that I might have. You can come with the context of your life and you can come and exist for weeks and for months, but I would encourage you, don't choose to opt to stay on the stretcher. Because there are a lot of Christians in all of Christendom who have become very well acquainted with the comfort of the stretcher. Like it's very nice to have your four mates carry you everywhere and do everything for you. And whenever you have a crisis, they're there to pray for you and lift you out of the stretcher and run around like crazy. And all the time, you're not doing anything for anyone because you like it on the stretcher. A number of years ago, I had a, um, an operation on my shoulder. In fact, you know, I wholeheartedly blame the police for this, but I was doing a rapid entry course and basically we smashed in a door and it literally popped my shoulder out of its place and I had a slap tear repair done on my left shoulder. But after I had come out of this surgery, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of nice because like I had my arms strapped up, I couldn't do a great deal. and I didn't make a cup of tea for weeks. I mean, honestly, every Every brew, every meal, it like Emma was just running around, like whatever you need. And honestly, it was kind of awesome. It was kind of nice. And um, I was really trying to milk it. Like we went into the physio though one day and the physio could like see that I still had this shoulder strapped up and she was kind of like, okay, you're at like week number, whatever it was. And she said to me, right, that's all coming off now. And I was like, no, not the shoulder thing. This is my past to get everything done in my entire life. And she's like, no, that thing's coming off. 
And literally, she took it off, and it was excruciatingly painful. I mean, almost to the point of coming to tears. Every movement and motion of my left arm, wrist, or shoulder, it was horrific. But here's the bottom line. She knew that if there didn't come a time where we would take the strapping off and allow the thing to move again, then that would stay and become the natural default position of my shoulder and arm for the rest of my life. And in Christendom, this is what we do. We like it on the stretcher because everybody's running around doing everything for us. But you just can't stay being carried because an interaction with Jesus has the potential to change everything for you. It's easier to stay on the stretcher, but it's just not God's plan. So we want to be about everyone and we want you to come in on the stretcher and you can have a time, a season, however long you need it to be. But just don't be intentional to be that guy or that girl that lives life and stays on the stretcher. The second group of people in the story are the crowd. When our kids were young, they all used to play sport on the AstroTurf. And for any of you parents, you will know exactly about how this struggle is real. Because it doesn't matter whether it's PE or whether they play for a football club or a sports team. If you've got children that play on AstroTurf, you will know of this struggle. Because they'll get into your car after their game on the Astro and your car will now be full of millions of tiny little black rubber pellets and they get everywhere. And you would think that they'll just stay in the car. It's okay. Even if you make them take their shoes off, they won't go anywhere else. Mistake. Because when they get in their house and they take their socks off and their shin pads, there is also another 10 million rubber pellets from the AstroTurf. And I can remember as a parent getting so frustrated, like, why are we having to hoover up 300 times a day these million uh, little tiny rubber Astro pellets? And at one point, I was getting so mad and so cross. And then all of a sudden, I had this thought. And I thought to myself about how actually I was now treating as a problem the very thing that was in fact a blessing. Because let me tell you what the real blessing is. Three kids that were able to run around and play sport, like it wasn't a problem for them. Three kids that were social enough to be able to go and play a sporting game and have some fun. And all of a sudden, that which actually was a sign of blessing, I was becoming frustrated with. And I think that we've got to make sure that we never do the same in our church either, especially if you're not the one being carried, especially if you're part of the crowd, because it would be easy for you as part of the crowd to start to get frustrated with the guy or the girl that's constantly, in your opinion, but you don't know the backdrop of their life, that's living life on the stretcher. And actually, the very thing that was intended as a blessing to our house, you're now allowing to become a frustration to your life. Because what we see in this story, for me, is quite interesting. Because this crowd of people, and we don't know exactly how many, but let's say several hundred of them had crammed into this house, right? I mean, they've got their flask of tea, their little picnic mat, they've got their snacks. Some of them have been queuing overnight, like literally, just to get a good front row seat at this house. And then literally, as Jesus gets up to preach, as Jesus gets up to teach, one of them just sat there cross-legged, just feels a little bit of dust in their eye. And they don't even think anything about it at first. But then all of a sudden, that dust starts to turn into a rather disgustingly fragrant stone that now hits him on the nose as he looks up and sees that there are four men now with their bare hands ripping open this roof. And yet, you know what's not recounted in the story? 
There's not one person of the crowd that stands up and says, hey, you four, pack it in. This is crazy. Do you not know that Jesus is here trying to teach us? What do you even think you're doing? You know what's not in the story? When these four friends were lowering this man down on a stretcher, it mentions nothing from anyone in the crowd trying to rebuke them for their act of kindness and graciousness that they were doing. In other words, it's almost like what they could have done, they chose not to do. They could have, as the crowd, have chosen to repel the carried, but they didn't. They embraced him. And they also allowed this carried man to stand in the presence of Jesus. And I think that we've got to be willing to do that as a church too. We've got to be willing to understand that not everybody's going to be in the same life placement as you. And if your life feels perfect right now, hey, that's awesome. That's great. I'm so happy for you. But it might not always be. And just because your life might be different to someone else's, that should not be a reason for us to repel one another. We've got to make sure we have an attitude of graciousness towards each other in the house. Because the third group of people that's found in this story, in this house, are the carriers. These four friends who I feel a little bit sorry for because I feel like they should at least be named. We don't even know their names in this story. We don't know anything about them. But what we do see is that they were determined, coughing, breathing in the wrong way. Don't know what that was. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. We know that they were determined because they weren't willing to quit. We know that they were able to take the initiative because they were adamant that they were just not going to allow a full room and a full house to stop them getting into it. We knew that they were persistent because they had to get on their hands and knees and dig up a roof. But actually what we see more than anything is that there were four friends that were willing to carry one friend. Perhaps overnight, perhaps head off on an early morning journey. But can you just imagine a moment? Like that means they had to take the physical way of another person. Like this wasn't easy for them, but they determined in their heart that they were so committed to bringing their friend to Jesus that they would carry him even if they had to. They were so committed to making it easy for this man on a stretcher to get in a close proximity to Jesus. They were willing to do whatever it would take. So what does a carrier look like for us today at Liverpool One Church? What does that even mean? For some, it means like, bringing somebody to church that wouldn't otherwise be able to get here. For others, it means giving them a lift. For others, it means sharing a coffee, sharing a meal, being a shoulder to cry on, and maybe even picking up the bill. For others, it means being willing to have that awkward family member round to your house, and you know he's the crazy uncle that nobody else wants round to their house, but you're going to be that kind a follower of Jesus. Maybe for you, it means taking somebody out for a Sunday lunch because carriers, they feel the weight and they take the strain. And carriers, they don't judge from afar, but rather they include from right up front and right up close. Carriers, they don't just look to fix people, but they look to walk through life with them. And I really wanna build that kind of church, the kind of church where we're willing to say, we might not always have all the answers, but I'm willing to walk with you. There's an amazing couple in our church who are called Lynn and Les Irving, and they've got an amazing story. And I would say that they are some of the best carriers in our church. They get involved and serve with everything that we do. But here is a small piece and part of their story. 
Tell me a little bit about your story about how you came to faith. So um, I had my first son, Joseph, when I was 27, I was a single parent. When I had Joseph, I, I wanted him to believe in God. I never like, lost a faith in, in God. I knew he was real. But I just never wanted to hang my hat on any particular religion because of my experience. Uh, one Sunday morning when Joseph was three, he came home and said, just ask Jesus into my heart. And I thought that was like super cute. Um, but I, I was just like going to church and so I thought, oh, I might do that. So so I did. Um, and um, just carried on. Like It, it took a, a while afterwards for me to realise what had actually happened. But I realised I'd asked Jesus into my heart a few years before, but I hadn't made him Lord of my life. Prior to going to church, I was struggling with, with alcohol addiction. So that, you know, I was getting to a point of where I was, I was trying the AA. Um, it, was, it was okay for a while, but then it, um, I was getting to a point where it was just so hard. It was just so much work that I had to do trying to stay sober, going out. It was just, it was just so hard. And I was like, I was ready just to, to pack it all in, get walloped, just, just go back to the way I was. What did life looked like for you when you were struggling with that addiction? I don't even remember the um, James Bond movie with the uh, the man with the golden gun where he goes into the room and it's just nothing but different mirrors everywhere. And that was me because there were so many different people for different different faces for different people. It was so hard. I didn't know who I was. It was an addiction that was there for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an uphill battle. And now, like, when I, when I remember being in the AA, it was like one day at a time. But now I've got I've got God and I've got that healing. I think it was round about 2019. You guys walked through the doors of Liverpool One Church. Yeah. Tell me what that was like for you both. I was just looking for a church for the kids. I'd gone back to university, so somebody at uni had told me about LOC, and I was like, that sounds like something my kids would like. So there was loads of things about it that fell into place. And it seems that there was people from basketball, my kids were a basketball family. And, and they, they used to go and play basketball um, every other week, midweek. And uh, there was the media stuff, my daughters, um, I, I joke call her media mo mo mogul, <laughs> right? She's, that, that's what her training's in. So it was like, there was just loads of things that were so relevant to, to Phoebe and Mark. Tell me about Phoebes because she has a, a thing and I know that you guys, it's close to your heart and it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but tell me the story there. We, we wanted to have a, ch a child and then um, a month or so later, we're, we're now pregnant and this is Phoebe. So we know it's like, that this is a gift from God. But then when we find out later on when she's born and stuff like that, and then there was some complications at the, at the, the birth and you know, there was a few scary moments. And then the next one, like she wasn't putting the weight on, we were getting a bit really concerned, she started to lose her hair. Um, and then we found out when she was five and a half months that she had cystic fibrosis, which was oh, the internet back in the day. Once you start getting a little bit of knowledge, you get told it, oh, you're lucky if she gets to 24 or get out of her teens and stuff like that. And you go, that, that's my fault. I, I've just produced a child that's gonna, gonna die soon. That's just not fair. Why have you done this to me? But you know what I mean? It's like, again, it's a gift of God. So I know that no matter what, it happens. She's going to be have eternity with God in a perfect body in a perfect world, and sometimes that that drives me on to remain in the faith because 
I don't want to, I, I want to meet her again in that perfect body. She is such a strong, inspirational woman. She won't be dictated to by a diagnosis. She'll, she'll work hard, she'll push, she'll, she'll work through and she can punch. Oh my gosh, she can hit me hard. Um, I can remember um, the Friday that um, I got the phone call that she, she got the diagnosis and as scary as it was, I kept being reminded, don't worry, God's got this. And we, we have, we've had a lot of scary moments um, with it. You know, it's not been all plain sailing. Phoebe's super strong, um, but she's she's gone through um, really um, depression as a teenager. She's very open about it, so I can talk about it. Like when she was 17, she took a massive overdose and we nearly lost her. Um, she was just like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And... But from sound that from that, um, she realised she wanted to live. She she realised it, and then that she battled on from there. The struggles made her turn to God, and during that time, she recommitted herself. She 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 started coming back to to L1, and she got baptised in she last year, and you know, throughout all, all that, she she just knows God's got her. She she's just amazing and. Uh, as a parent, it's just, it's difficult to deal with, but without God, right, I just, I couldn't, I, I don't know all the parents who, who got kids with chronic conditions. I don't know how, I just don't know how they cope with it, because it's hard enough when you, you know, 100% know God's in charge, God's got it, but you still got the fear, you're still scared. You're still dealing with stuff, right. and that doesn't mean you you don't believe God and you haven't got faith. Mm. You just you just battle. It, it's a battle. Yeah. It's a battle. We couldn't have coped with all the uh, the challenges that we've been through without the hope that we've mm. had it in Jesus. I mm. just one hundred percent now. I but well, I don't think we'd be married without Jesus. I don't think. Um, couldn't have coped with with Phoebe's condition as it at all mm -hmm. because that he, he's that like sure and certain hope he's like the strength he's just an extra strength I I I just know my life wouldn't be worth living if I didn't have Jesus in my life. I think that for me, it just kind of encapsulates the fact that you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes of anybody else's life. And I think that as a church, it's just so important for me to understand and help you to understand that not everybody around you is going to be in the same life placement as you, but in order for us to really become a church that is about everyone, we've got to understand that there are always going to be these constant three revolving groups of people, and you're going to change at times and seasons from group to group. There'll be a time where you need to be carried, and we want to help carry you. There'll be another time when you're just turning up and it's not like there's a crisis in your life, but you can be part of the crowd and we're, we're glad that you're here being part of the crowd. 
But our goal is really to try and help you no longer be carried and no longer sit and be part of the crowd because we want you to become a carrier. We want you to become a carrier of the gospel. We want you to become a carrier of the light of Jesus in your workplace and in your school and in your university and in your social clubs. Like We believe that when we choose to follow the mandate of Jesus, it's not the easiest life, but it is the best life. So my encouragement for you and my encouragement for us is that we just commit again to exist, to really be about everyone, but knowing that it's going to take there being three groups of people, all at different seasons and times and life stages that are in the church that makes it healthy. And the crowd should never repel the carried any more than the carriers should resent those that they're carrying. But together we can live life following Jesus in harmony, in unity, playing our part and playing our role because we understand that this doesn't exist for us, but we exist for those that are still yet to come. So Liverpool One Church, can we stand to our feet today and close in a prayer and then we're all going to worship some more together. Can we close our eyes and bow our heads real quick? Heavenly Father, we can see because it's so evident in the text that you are always willing and able to make room for these three distinct groups of people And you didn't repel them, you didn't turn them away, but you allowed them to be close to you, within a close proximity to your presence. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you help us to represent that well in the life of our church too. Lord God, I pray for the carried right now, that they would feel like whatever it is that they're going through, that it's just a season and might not be forever. Instill hope with them and a sense of joy and peace that surpasses all natural human understanding. God, I thank you for the crowd and those that come and make up the numbers and are a part of this family. But God, I pray that for as much as the crowd, we love them and that we appreciate them. We pray that you would instill a sense of wanting to step up and be a carrier too. And for those of us that are carriers in this church, like Lynn and Les, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and never to allow the inner compass of our soul to fall off our true north, which is always about helping others, which is always about putting ourselves out in order that we might have an opportunity to share your goodness with those that are in a different life placement to us. And we ask this all so that we truly would know what it's like to live feeling and breathing and as we become a church that really does exist to be about everyone. And with every eye still closed and every head still bowed, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you're maybe even in church right now going, I don't even know what to make of this whole thing but you've just never crossed the line and said, I wanna be a follower. And maybe right now you know that your life is broken and you need to be carried. Maybe right now it's not that, you just wanna be part of the crowd, but you've just never made that actual decision to say, I want Jesus to live in my life. I wanna submit my life to his plan. I wanna be a Christian. That as I say this prayer, then you can pray this after me right now. And this is your moment of coming home to your Father in heaven. Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you to live in my heart. I'm asking you to live in my life. I want to give you everything that I am because I believe that you're real. I believe our heavenly Father gave your life so that I could know you. 
Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me whole and clean in your eyes. As from this point forward, I'm choosing to follow you and call myself a Christian. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.